This is Monocle On Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manese. On today's program, we dip into some fashion-focused interviews. We meet Denmark's Cecily Banson, catch up with the head of London-based label Roxander, and talk to South African designer Tebe Magugu. All that coming up on Monocle On Design. Hello and welcome to today's show and welcome to Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, who joins me in the studio. Thanks for coming down. Thank you. As I said, it's it, it's a fashion special, so this is really right up your alley and I feel like you should be taking the lead on this. We sit next to each other in the office and I feel like I don't see you half the time because you're off, you know, seeing a fashion week somewhere or meeting designers in another city somewhere else. What, what have you been up to recently and why haven't you been sitting next to me? Well... I always like sitting next to you and exchanging design and fashion tips, but sometimes it is worth going on the road and discovering the shows and then the collections of these uh, designers. So this is a look back at some of our favorite, I think, conversations with designers, mostly independent designers that have uh, been evolving and growing. And uh, they really had shows that were highlights uh, this year. And I got to experience their brands really take off and have really meaningful conversations. And uh, both of the brands that we're going to hear from uh, today are brands that also uh, are run by incredible women with uh, interest in architecture and design and art as much as fashion, who open up and uh, bring emotional value in fashion as well. I think that's what makes these conversations really interesting. I mean, how do you pick designers that you want to talk to? You, You sort of mentioned there that, you know, their work touches on architecture goes beyond just being about the clothes, but maybe about culture and design more broadly. Is that factoring into who you find fascinating and who you want to reach out to and have conversations with? Absolutely. I think fashion cannot exist uh, in its own bubble, especially these days. And I think the designers that do look at what's going on in the world around them and pick up references from the worlds of architecture and design and art and just have broader creative dialogue with uh, all the other forms of of art and culture, make for the most interesting collections. They they have stories to tell that keep the customers interested. And also another factor is uh, seeing how their businesses are growing and uh, evolving because the, the creative side is really important. But at the same time, it's also really fascinating to see a young designer starting from a tiny studio, usually in a basement, working on by themselves, cutting fabric and, and sewing everything together, and then just growing their team and being able to sell to incredible stores and travel the world, host bigger shows. The business journey is also really exciting. So the balance of the two is, is what I usually look for. Yeah, that, that sort of coming together of creativity and, and commerce. I mean, one, one of the designers that sort of ticks all those boxes uh, that we're going to hear from shortly, uh, you know, and, and ticks all those boxes, I guess, in terms of design and, and having this broad reach, but as well as having that trajectory is, is Cecily Banson. Can you tell me a little bit about her and, and why you think she's important uh, and certainly an important voice for, for our listeners to hear from? 
Yes, Cecily Banson is a Danish designer. She studied here in London at the Royal Academy of Arts, and she then moved to Copenhagen, where she set up her own label. And like I was mentioning before, she was one of those independent talents who started with a dream in Copenhagen by herself and uh, slowly, slowly built up her brand. She's known for really romantic collections. She she creates really beautiful dresses and uh, dreamy women's wear that has been growing now beyond her dresses to knitwear and uh, outerwear. She has really now been evolving her universe and she has a brand new studio in, in Copenhagen. That's which where is, you dropped into. Exactly. And I've also seen her in Paris uh, where she has now been hosting her shows. It was always a dream of hers to move from Copenhagen to Paris and, and show in Paris Fashion Week. And after the pandemic, she's made the dream happen. And uh, she's also really a pioneer when it comes to slower fashion, sticking to your aesthetic and not really changing everything as every six months and uh, using really beautiful, luxurious fabrics. A lot of handwork goes into her work. So all in all, a a great person and uh, really beautiful clothing that's worth investing in, I'd say. Amazing. And and you you mentioned the beautiful fabrics there. I know we're going to cut to the package now that that you've put together of you talking with her team. And I believe we can hear her working on fabrics or her team working with the fabrics in the background. What were they getting stuck into when you visited? So we were speaking just as they were preparing their spring 2023 collection uh, to show in Paris. So her team behind was setting up a pop-up shop and putting the finishing touches on the collection before the show. So I believe, if I remember correctly, they were working on a fabric that that was hand-embroidered and uh, had this really interesting coated uh, layer on it. it she, she works with a lot of tool, but also sometimes coats the tool and, and, it, and it makes noise when, when, when you're walking or when you're sewing on it. So yeah, the, you can hear all of that in the background. It was a really busy time for her, but she took a few minutes to, to chat to us about her process and what inspires her and also this sort of dream of, of being in Paris and, and hosting her shows there now. Sounds sensational. Let's hear from Cecily now. I think like for the collection, we really wanted to to kind of um, show this kind of everyday couture spin, the overall theme of it, like how we wear the collection, how even though there's gone so much love and passion and craft into create every piece, it's also something you're meant to just wear with jeans or put on your trainers. Like it's meant to be effortless and lifting and loved. Um, So I think that's really kind of been the starting point for how to create the collection. I love making the fabrics and I love like the creative process of starting from a 2D sketch and then taking it up to 3D. So we really like done that with the fact, but this season also done it for the 3D dresses and, and really worked on the mannequin and then taking it onto the body and really working with movement and with comfort, which is really keen to me that it like it really like it feels like wearing a cloud and super light and yeah again super effortless really having quite an organic process so instead of yeah working on sketches just constantly touching and working with your hands on the fabric which has been special I love this idea of yeah. lived in yeah. coutures <laughs> pieces that are both yeah. special but that you can use on yeah. your daily life yeah. and I wonder how much of that approach comes from your Scandinavian 
background and being based in Copenhagen? I think we take a lot with us with home. I also want to take a lot of Scandinavia Copenhagen with us. Showing in Paris is only our second show here. Like for me, Paris is like craft and romance, but Copenhagen is like effortless. It's playful. It's accessible. Like it's like about creating these pieces but I never want to create this feeling that you wouldn't go into a store because it's too precious so you wouldn't wear it like so it's kind of bridging this uh, thing between like the dream and the love and why I fell in love with fashion but also why I feel lucky seeing the girls in the studio or the girls on the street like wearing my dresses like kind of making it all kind of relatable. I also wanted to ask you how yeah. every time I walk yeah. into your studio since yeah. this open space it mm -hmm. feels very collaborative yeah. all the girls yeah. are cutting patterns yes. and sewing and yeah. Yeah. fixing things mm -hmm. uh, all around and how does that and now you've got your beautiful new studio yeah. in Copenhagen mm -hmm. how does that inspire you and influence the design process I think for me like the office is like a quiet space so it's it's home really like mm. and also the team and the girls like we get to step away from the business of maybe other fashion weeks and cities and just focus on what we do and then we can go to Paris and show what we're working on but it is really like time for like reflecting and looking at what we're doing we're also now doing two seasons a year instead of four so we really have time in the studio to to dedicate ourselves to the to the process and enjoy what we're making and how important was it for you to come to Paris and, and start showing here? Is it a signal of, of how important um, Danish fashion has become and, and how yeah. your brand has been yeah. evolving? I want to keep evolving and keep pushing yourself and challenging yourself. So I think even though Copenhagen so much feels like home and like like a natural place also for seeing the, the dresses in the city and how people put them together and style them and with trainers and like just get it one-to-one -one what we're doing. It's also just, it's been a dream to show here and to take our approach like of kind of Scandinavian craftsmanship to Paris. And it's always been where we are selling the collection to also now show here feels very right, but also like, yeah, like a natural next step. Doesn't mean that Copenhagen isn't still home, it's just now we kind of belong to places. You're bringing a lot of exactly. uh, Scandinavia yes, to exactly. the biggest like, fashion week. I think like also when we look at the collaborators, the people we work with on the show, we're doing a very special um, installation at the show with Nina Nørgaard, a Danish friend of mine who do um, glass vases. And it's loads of different vases from different projects she's done before and they're going to be filled with the water kind of inspired by an um, exhibition by Yoko Ono I saw at Luciana, like, and how all of, like, these will symbolize all the hands that touch the collection and how we are all eventually the same. And, like, so trying to bring a lot of the values and the things that are dear to me with us um, also when we show here. And going back to the craft yeah. as well, uh, are there any new fabrics you've been experimenting with or any designs that you're particularly excited about? I think this season it's super exciting because it's really a mix of both like we're actually bringing fabric bags from past seasons even into show looks so having full upcycle looks from past collections like using 
the fabric and then we have fully new developed things where we have been to Como working closely with our Italian suppliers bringing all the heritage techniques back to life. We have this really beautiful field coupe who really looks like water where none of the threads has been cut so you get all of the craftsmanship that's gone into creating these fabrics um, and, and it's all put on the outside instead of putting on the inside or hidden by a lining so I think it really is about like yeah, showing the craft and the details and, and the textures and so much of the fabric does that. Walking around the showroom yeah. as well, I mean, I could yeah. see those signature beautiful dresses yes. and some yeah. of the fabrics that you're yeah. describing, but also some very cool sneakers and denim jackets yeah. and things that were more paired back. How yes. are you mixing So we're those really two? excited about launching uh, our first collab with ASICS, so this is kind of a soft launch, or what you could call it. So it's all uh, use, working with existing, existing stock of theirs. Um, and then, um, like, like so some of them, there might just be two pairs, some there's ten pairs, and like kind of embroidering them and making them kind of this bridge between something super crafty, something that's taken loads of time, like beading them and making them really super feminine in them, though it's a quite masculine contrast to the collection, but we've always styled it with trainers. It's always what I wear with in the studio, so it's, it feels really natural to bring this in. And that's also what we wanted to do with the denim that we're doing for the first time, having this really masculine and simple contrast to the super feminine dresses and also to the tops. So we're doing much more kind of tops and trousers and layered with knitwear so I feel like you're getting more looks and more variations of what maybe we are as a brand than than just the dresses even though it's still what I love and adore and where I start my process mm -hmm. it's it's nice to also challenge yourself yeah. and do new things so exciting yeah. so mm -hmm. really the world of Cecily Banson is growing and it evolving really, and it really feels quite electric and like we're adding to the universe and at the same time making sense of it, like staying true to what we do, but also challenging ourselves. The designer Cecily Banson there will be back in just a moment. Portugal has plenty more to offer visitors than sun, sea and sand. With its vibrant cities, rolling vineyards and incredible history of design and a resourcefulness that always amazes. It's a fun place to eat. I mean, like, you just don't stop. It's sunny and it's warm and everything's outside. Like, it's great. Portugal, the Monocle Handbook, is the first in a brand new series revealing our favorite places to eat, stay and shop from Lisbon to the Azores. Should you wish to stay a little longer, it will also help you find a neighborhood that could become your new base and introduce you to the people who have already put down roots. Head to monocle.com to find out more and prepare to see this fascinating nation afresh. We're still in the studio and uh, thankfully I've still got Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, with me. Natalie, last month you stopped into the Serpentine Pavilion and met the Serbian designer Roxander Ilincic. Can you tell me a little bit about that? For fashion Luddites like myself, how would you introduce her? As far as I know, she's got her own namesake brand, Roxander, but, but what makes her work distinct? 
Roxanda is really one of the most prominent names, I would say, in uh, London fashion. And she has also been one of those designers of her generation who has withstood the test of time, despite the challenges that independent brands have been facing, especially in the UK. She's still here making beautiful clothes. She has her shop on Mount Street. And I think what really makes her stand out is actually her background in architecture. Uh, She studied architecture and applied arts at the University. University of Belgrade uh, before moving to the UK, studying at St. Martin's and setting up her own brand. So she really has an interesting perspective in the way that she approaches construction. She, she'll blend really beautiful, flowy silhouettes that, are, that women can feel comfortable in with interesting shapes and textures where you can see the, the architectural uh, background coming in. Uh, she's a great colorist. She plays with really deep, beautiful colors, creates handmade patterns that go onto her dresses. So I think she's created a universe, even though quite niche, Uh, Being an independent brand, she's not really in the mainstream, but she has her own signature, her own loyal clientele and um, creates beautiful and also comfortable clothes that women can really spend their days in. That's what makes her stand apart. And she brings in a lot of these architects and artists that inspire her into her world with collaborations. And very often you'll find her taking over the Serpentine Pavilion to show her collections. And and this time it was extra special because she um, hosted it in the Theaster Gates Pavilion and she really connected with that space and the way it was built and the references behind them because she had sadly lost her father and really connected with what Theaster Gates had to say about loss through the space that he created. It's incredible that, you know, the parallels between Theaster's story. I mean, his, his father died while he was building the pavilion and, and, and Roxander there, as, as you sort of mentioned. In terms of shows, she, she presented her spring-summer 23 collection at, at the Serpentine. What role does, I guess, architecture and, and, and where you're presenting your work as a fashion designer play in the actual I guess, extension of the collection and, and the extension of, of what they're showing. What, what's that link there and why was the Serpentine important for Roxander? I think it can really make a difference in the way that you experience a collection. It's those small details that are really in the air. You cannot even point your finger at, at what makes that experience special, but it really it really helps tell the story of the collection. In, in this case with Roxanda, it really felt like serendipity. The show felt emotional and it was a beautiful sunny day as well during the Freeze Art Fair, so the crowd was uh, really interesting as well. A lot of art aficionados meeting with uh, fashion editors and buyers dressed in her in her beautiful, colourful clothing. And uh, she had been trying to put her show together for a few seasons now, but everything from the pandemic to strike action uh, had uh, put a lot of obstacles along her way. So everything came together and it was a beautiful day, beautiful collection. Amazing. Well, let, let's hear from Roxanda now. I always say the Serpentine to me became like a home away from home and particularly pavilions that are kind of part of my narrative and part, part of my, my whole design story. So every time a pavilion is designed um, subconsciously because obviously I'm like halfway through creating my collection and, and subconsciously uh, 
whatever is happening here in this beautiful park finds its way into my collection as well. And this time connection was even stronger because Pastor Gates designed this beautiful pavilion and, and dedicated it to his dad. And, and I'm also dedicating this collection to my dad. And it was really about symbolism of, of something quite dark and, and quite a lot about the death, but also finding and trying to find the light out of it. But it was really about transcending those emotions that were, that were happening inside of me. And I guess inside of Pesto when he was designing pavilion and kind of channeling them into collection. That's beautiful. And more generally speaking, how does art and your own background in architecture influence the way yeah. you approach clothing and color as well and then create these experiences? Well, I always try to, to bring quite a lot of architecture and quite a lot of art into mm. my work. It, it, it's really my background. I used to study architecture and I also studied faculty of applied art. So it's, it's, it's all kind of connected. All of this kind of, you know, education that I got back home in Serbia, I thought it's just inspiration for me. I'm not trying to bring it back into my work. It's simply something that I love. So it's, it's a huge influence always. And I also kind of try to highlight female designers and female creators and female artists. So this time I look at the work of Swiss artist Pippi Lotti Rist, who's actually an incredible feminist uh, artist, but also incredible colorist like myself. The way that you use color, I mean, it's yes. always so strong, but in this collection in particular, it really stood out because you, you had the blacks and then really saturated, beautiful color. Was yes. that also sort of part of the emotional journey of going yes, from dark definitely. to light? Because when I started the collection, uh, things were slightly different, so it was all bright colors and, you know, as usual. And then the, the, the nude started to become darker, so I started to bring the black color, which is very unusual for me, actually. And when you think about it, I very rarely have a black outfit. And also, I mean, since your last shows, there was always this consistency with like fluid silhouettes and things yes. that really I feel women want to be in and yes. feel comfortable in. Are you thinking about that even more now, post-pandemic and post the last few years? Yeah. Has your outlook changed at all? I'm just kind of re-emphasizing even more the things that I, mm. I was doing before. So, so for example, I, I love to create pieces that women wear. I, I, I think one of, one of designers that finds just as much pleasure seeing women walking in an easy day dress uh, of mine than like somebody being on a red carpet or a dress being created for editorial. You know, I, I love to see my dresses having a second life with, with somebody that loves and adores them in a kind of everyday way. The designer Roxanda Ilinchic there. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. I guess before uh, we head back upstairs, uh, well, I've got to record the rest of the show. Have you got any any final thoughts or, or reflections as we head into December and then on to January 2023? God, big question. I know it is. We, we ask the big questions here on Monocle on Design. I think looking back at these conversations, uh, maybe December should be a time where we take... We take it a little bit slower, listen to what these artists have to say, get inspired and also look a little bit outside the mainstream to designers like Roxanda or Cecily Banson and uh, invest in their craft as much as their stories and their fashion. That sounds good to me, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining us.
I'm now joined in the studio by Monocle's Jack Simpson. Jack, a pleasure to have you in the chair and, and to hear about your interview with South African designer Tebe Magugu. You caught up with him at London's Victoria and Albert Museum after his showcase discard theory. For those who perhaps aren't familiar with his work, can you tell us a little bit about him? Well, Tebe is based in Johannesburg. He's risen to prominence recently after winning the 2019 LVMH Young Fashion Designer Prize, as well as being a finalist in the International Walmart Prize. So he's a, he's a little bit of a talent then. Oh yeah, he's, he's accumulating a lot of medals, everything. And now he's burst onto the scene after the Paris Fashion Week as well. Discard Theory was set in the museum's cavernous Raphael room, part of the V&A's Fashion in Motion series sponsored by art collector Libby Mugrabi. And you went um, there? Yeah, I was in there. I was front row, no less. The walls are adorned with these like stunning paintings, but the eye only turned to this huge laundry bag at the end of the room that really, really filled the space. You didn't drop your clothes in there before or after the show? or was it? Was it something I tried separate? my best not to, yeah. I mean, so, so tell me about his work. Where's the link, I guess, between the way he practices and, and how this is presented at the V&A? Discard theory is inspired by a downtown market in Johannesburg, where there's hordes of American and European clothes that have been discarded. And Tebe created a little documentary, and you can watch it, and he's with his laundry bag, not one quite as big as this, and he's picking up these clothes and he's using these as inspiration for this current theme. Well, that sounds phenomenal. I mean, let, let's hear from Tebe now. A documentary I released last week. It shows me sort of going into these bins and pulling out these sort of pieces that were actually so incredible, you know, and sort of getting a lot of taking back to the studio and analyzing them, getting so much inspiration um, from them, and almost inverts that trickle-down theory, you know, it says fashion starts at the very top, makes its way down the classes and ends up in places like Donosa. And with this collection, almost tried to invert that by taking things from Donosa, um, dressing them up and pushing it back up into like a luxury space. I thought that was really um, interesting. And Donosa actually translates from my language um, into bend over because that's how you shop, you know, so you shop. Uh, from the bins by bending over. So that was an inspiration for the collection. In the documentary, you see me sort of lugging behind me this huge bag as I sort of grab things from the bins. And I love I love that it's set in such explicit juxtaposition <laughs> to like the rest of the room because it's all these beautiful uh, paintings from like the 1500s, 1600s. And then it's just this mundane, run-of-the-mill laundry bag that sits in the middle of the room, you know? It's such a beautiful juxtaposition, as you say. You've always had these amazingly high concepts that somehow you always manage to completely match with your fashion as well. I know in the past you've sort of looked at spies Mm. from Johannesburg and whistleblowers and corruption. Do you ever feel a pressure to come up with new, big concepts? Um, Not anymore. I think... Some collections can be super sort of, uh, you know, cerebral. And then the very next season can be the most lighthearted thing. And I never want to sort of feel that pressure that, like, the collections should always say something overarching, you know, about the state of our society and all that. Like, that's really not my, my, my interest. I just want to make collections that speak to my fascination that season. And yes, I speaking to all those women who were spies uh, was super fascinating. That's why I completely... Uh, delved, you know, uh, dived into it. But then, you know, last season with um, genealogy, that was about family photos that I found with my mom. And we had a roundtable discussion going through each and how sort of that garment inspired its sort of identical twin 
in the collection, you know. So, like, I think they're not always meant to be sort of statements and, and, and political statements. Sometimes I really just want to have a light-hearted collection. And it's very interesting, but it's something I always struggle with because it's like, as a brand, you almost have to be very responsible in how you communicate certain things. You have to make sure that everyone sort of feels like they're like a, a part of it. You have also almost like a responsibility to your consumer. But then there's the artistic side, whereas like, I want to explore sort of the level of corruption that's in South Africa right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's always like a tricky balancing act between sort of Tebe Maguga as the brand and then Tebe Maguga as someone who's fascinated by so many things all at once. Yeah. You can definitely see that in your work. And also what I noticed in the graphics, the prints that you did last season with your family over the garments were really poignant. And this season there was some really playful ones. Yeah. So, you know, especially with printed on these sort of silken garments with a sort of denim yeah. printed on. That's one of my favorite looks because I think it also represents the, the collection um, because it's on this really elegant silk gunmetal pink dress this sort of elegant proportion and then this really sleazy front you know with like the open buckle and the and the boxer and i i love sort of tensions and 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 juxtapositions like that you can really see in the collection and there was the sort of third look that was the sort of pink orange red uh a print which is quite abstract from afar but when you look close and when you sort of downscale the print it's really just fish and chips you know that are illustrated um because they they eat a lot of those in that in that in that area and i love things like that where you question like is this in bad taste or is this really fabulous you know i i i I love sort of playing on the on that theme quite a lot in my work Tebe Magugu there in conversation with jack simpson uh i mean jack I've, i've got to ask you any final reflections on the show after hearing that piece again Tebe appreciates complex themes from ecological and climate concerns in this show to his previous work that spoke to corruption pervading South African politics. Um, Creating such a vibrant and a wearable collection whilst addressing these really makes him stand out. That sounds spot on, Jack. I really like the idea of, you know, addressing, you know, big issues whilst also dressing really well. Uh, Thank you for joining me in the studio. Thank you, Nick. And that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle On Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. Or check out the On Design archive wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy print, then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. Today's episode was produced by Maylee Evans, who also edited the show. I'm Nick Manise, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening.